0: Hey, welcome back to the Not Quite Compassion Podcast. This is episode number 14. Uh, I'm entitling A Safe Man. And uh, a few quick announcements real quick before I jump into things is uh, teaching. I'm speaking over at Eastlake again on November 11th, Veterans Day, both services. Uh, I get to teach over at SPU, Seattle Pacific University, uh, this Thursday on Radical urbanization and homelessness so it's kind of exciting i did it last year and had a blast and so i get the full two hours this this time so figuring out what to do there and uh i'm about to turn in my first paper for uh doctoral work so um it's is it doctorate work or doctor i don't one of those anyways i'm, I'm uh, i got i'm gonna write 20 pages on biblical the nature of biblical advocacy in relation to homelessness, and uh, I'm really excited. It's I've been working researching for this paper for several months, and it feels good. Like the for me, the researching and the um, the planning is the more difficult. The actual writing is the fun part for me. Like honestly, I work write really robust outlines, and so by the time I'm ready to write it, I usually write it in the in the corner of a pub somewhere. Like it's it's fun. Anywho, so that's the fun part coming up for me. All right, I I wanted to, uh to do an episode on I know I'm, I'm deviating a little bit from my plan for not quite compassion. And I wanted cuz cause I cuz cause well obviously stuff's happening in our country right now. It's just getting real. And this Kavanaugh hearing yesterday uh has man, it's it's been on my mind. I couldn't I I watched the whole thing and um man, that was it was nuts. And I uh, I want to zero in specifically on the power dynamics that were at play. That the that there was these like all of these older white men that were um, afraid to even question Doctor Ford, so they hid behind this other woman attorney, as they as they deemed it a female assistant. And then they tossed her aside when it came to questioning Kavanaugh and the, ge- the power dynamics and the gender inequality in that, that, um, that Kavanaugh was irate. I would say he was enraged at points and combative and um, dismissive. And um and if, if uh doctor Ford would have been even a semblance of that kind of attitude, she would have been so quickly dismissed and turned away and seen as not credible. And 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 the reaction from our country that they were we were all surprised how poised she was. And that Kavanaugh can get a, a pass for being emotional. Um there was just so many power dynamics at play there. And it reminded me of, um, in some degrees, uh, and certainly not all, but some degrees, it reminded me of the book of John, chapter 8, because it's a similar idea of these men in power, these religious leaders, that they bring this young, vulnerable woman to the feet of Jesus. And this is not at all to suggest that somehow Kavanaugh is a sinner, because this woman in the story was committed or was caught in the act of adultery. Um, But what I do think relates equally to this story and the Kavanaugh hearing is that you have these men in power uh, threatening and accusing this vulnerable woman. And Jesus's response to her is beautiful. I mean, the first thing he does is she's like half naked. She's scared. She was taken out of bed in the midst of this, right? So just like, man... And Jesus immediately gets down on his knees and starts writing in the sand. And and I I don't know what he wrote. I do know, I am pretty certain why he wrote because now everyone's watching what he's writing in the sand as opposed to watching this half-naked woman and her shivering and scared and vulnerable. He immediately takes the attention off of her, which is inherently dignifying. And he comforts her and he believes her. She didn't have to say anything, but he he immediately takes her side. He immediately um, takes power away from the powerful and restores dignity and humanity to this woman. And ultimately, it's that was one of many reasons why Jesus was crucified. He, you're not going to get crucified for being nice to women. You're going to get crucified because you're not willing to fall in love status that is status, status religious leaders were about they had um were given some semblance of power by who it was occupying israel and as long as these religious leaders kept everyone um, compliant and oppressed okay with the oppressive system and uh in submission to rome uh, the religious leaders were aiding that plan and so, as long as that happened, Rome kept them in some semblance of power. So it was to the advantage of these men in power, of these religious leaders, these Pharisees, to keep everything the way it is, to keep the power dynamics the way they always have been, to keep the status quo. And here comes this young Galilean who begins to upend this power dynamic. Like he's Jesus is so subversive in how he. Um, Civilly, but but gently and profoundly attacks this power dynamics and systems in play. And he does that by asking them. I think if you know the story, he says, "Okay, anyone who wants to throw a rock at this woman and start to try to kill her, because um, that was the 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 law back then. To shoot, a woman's caught in adultery, then go ahead and do that." And Jesus is like, "Okay, you can do that, but yeah, if you go ahead and without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone." We, we, we probably heard this story, and so one by one, starting with the oldest men they begin dropping their rocks and walking away. Which, side note, is always interesting to me that um, that whenever you, you cite this story, like I did on Twitter, and it went super viral, and uh, people got mad. And I know it's the most prevalent uh, negative reaction where people were like, well, you know, Jesus also said, go and sin no more. It's like, that's interesting that you would take the position of Jesus in this story. Because when I read this story... Shit, man. There's no question about it. I am clearly the person. I am the I'm the Pharisee. So <laughs> that's who I most resemble, you know? As a as a as a white male <laughs> that's highly educated, I'm clearly the Pharisee. So what's my job duty in that situation? To drop my rocks and walk away and leave this poor woman alone with Jesus. Like It's just baffling to me that of all the places we would take, we would assume the position of Jesus in this story, which is just silly. Like, honestly, that's ridiculous. Anywho, a side note, I just think that this story speaks so much to the power dynamics and ultimately Jesus is upending and threatening the privilege of these Pharisees. And that's what gets him killed. And we saw this similar kind of privilege in the Kavanaugh hearings, We saw the privilege uh, very clearly on Kavanaugh as he was um, so angry and enraged. Like, Why do you think you can get away with being that way, of treating other senators in that fashion? You only get that way from a sense of privilege. Certainly, Dr. Ford did not assume that kind of privilege, and for good reason. We see the same kind of privilege in the rage from many of the Republican senators as well. We saw this privilege... And the dismissal of Dr. Ford's testimony, and kind of a willful ignorance or indifference from countless men in our country. This, like these these like they're not, you know, it's like, oh, I believe her, but I also believe Kavanaugh, which is just like this willful indifference. It's a privilege being clearly on display. We see it in the rhetoric too behind this idea that boys will be boys. Or, oh, it was in high school. Don't we all do silly things in high school? Or maybe this one. None of us are perfect. Aren't we all sinners? This rhetoric comes from a place of privilege. And this privilege is why John chapter 8, that story of Jesus and the woman and these powerful men is so relevant. Because notice how the mob, these religious leaders, they bring the woman to the feet of Jesus, ready to stone her. And and meanwhile, the man that was also in bed with her, he's free to go. Like <laughs> a bit of a double standard there. And I get it. That was a law at that point, but it speaks very clearly of the privilege at play. One man remains free while the other one is accused and threatened. And we saw that on display with the hearing as well too. It turned into almost a trial of Dr. Ford and, 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 And potentially uh, just a stepping stone towards the promotion of the man. A promotion. Not like, he's not, his life's not ending. He's not being destroyed. He's up for consideration for a promotion, people. It doesn't reek of privilege. I don't know what does. And ultimately, it was just in the story... um, it was the threatening, the privilege of these religious leaders in Rome that got Jesus killed. I mean, they, Jesus wasn't the only religious leader that was like up and coming. Those who came and went and people thought, oh, then maybe this guy's the Messiah. Maybe, I mean, Jesus was a diamond dozen. There's plenty of other people that had the aura and the thought of like, oh, maybe this person's the Messiah. The But... What made Jesus so threatening is because he was in a subversive and liberating message to the oppressed, letting them know that the status quo doesn't have to remain the way it is. And that is incredibly threatening to privileged people. And how desperately do men in our country want to keep the status quo of gender inequality? And it reeks of privilege. I mean, privilege is wonderfully blinding. You don't know what you don't know. If you always had it, you, you, you don't know anything other than that. The blinders are on and it takes a real willful desire to choose empathy, to walk in someone else's shoes, to sit and listen carefully to the stories of others that do not have the same privilege as you do to even begin to remove some of those blinders. Believe me, it's been a long road for me. And I'm still on that journey, so that's one idea of privilege. I want to go to the other extreme of this idea of gender inequality, and I want to talk to the Pence rule because that's kind of the other extreme of it, right? You got Kavanaugh, um, that's clearly been lying, and, um, and 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 Dr. Ford with her brilliant testimony, and, and you have women being sexually assaulted, but then you have the other extreme of this of the Pence rule, that's like, um, hey. As, as Mike Pence says, like, I, I never am alone in a room with a woman and he has like all these like rules in place to like make sure no one could ever bring an accusation to him because he's just never in the situation and is not amazing and virtuous of him. But, but I, I would suggest that that Pence rule is also reeks of privilege and gender inequality because the assumption that Mike Pence is making by placing those rules in that place is that women are defined as a temptation and that cannot be a dignifying label for someone to be known and defined as a temptation to someone else it's not dignifying to mike pence either frankly paints him as like some kind of animal as if he didn't have these rules he'd go crazy like do you see how both of these structures set continue to perpetuate an ongoing sense of gender inequality and also to furthermore this Mike Pence rule I'll tell you right now Jesus did not follow that rule <laughs> there's no way he did in essence it's just it's legalism it really what it is it's just placing up these rules in my life as an excuse not to grow character instead and both privilege and legalism are two extremes extremes that keep us from growth. They keep us from um, empathy. They keep us from addressing some of the systemic issues, some of the ways that we are built into our fabric of our society that lend to a continued gender inequality. So, let me get off my high horse for a second and um, <laughs> and sh- share a, a story, um, and hopefully I'll land this plane. I'll come around full circle. Clearly, I'm a little emotional today. Uh, so my my previous job was as a program manager at um, Surf Seattle, which is an internship for young adults, and so uh, it was primarily females too. So we'd have twenty to thirty ish women come through our doors every year. And they'd live in this house, and my office was on the bottom floor of that of that house. And, um, and, uh, we would just have life together. Like we, I knew these people, um, intimately, uh, and throughout the course of the year that they would spend with us, um, each of them had an opportunity to share their stories and, um, and they could share just like, yeah, just the story of their life. And I was not prepared to hear those stories. Um, um, it became painfully obvious to me after a few years of hearing these stories that that the norm is that the stories included some kind of sexual assault like it was i i would i would be pleasantly surprised if i heard a story and it did not include some form of sexual assault it was the norm And I had no idea it was that bad. As part of my job there, I remember a time where I sat with a a dear, dear friend of mine and heard her share her story of how she had been raped and uh, just weeping with her over that. Um, And that wasn't the only time I heard a story like that. Uh, and the, and these stories weren't just ones in the past either. It was very typical that I would have uh, a young woman come into my office and share a story about how she had been harassed on the bus or catcalled, um, like that day. And uh, all of these stories and experiences uh, over the last uh, over those like four years or so, I was at Sir Seattle. They. Uh, They built to me such a value of what it means to be a safe man. Not a privileged man and not a a legalistic man, but a safe man. Uh, First Timothy chapter five, verse two says, treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. I have become a firm believer in women, women's intuition like they just see things that i don't and um and speaking to the guys for a sec i am telling you like that if you think somehow they don't see through you they do and um from countless stories of women i I know that so often what goes through their minds is oh that person seems like a nice person but I also get the read, if they had a chance to try something, to pull something, they would. If we were in the right situation, the right time, if it was just the two of us, they would pull something. And so many women I have known live with that reality continually. And um, so if you think you're pulling a rug, you're like, you're. they don't know. I'm telling you, they know. But it is is it is um, built into our the fabric of our society as a systemic gender inequality and a rape culture, frankly. Um, and and I've learned what it looks like to become a safe man because of the amount of healing that can happen in others in my own life when when I've been able to do that. Like it's because the opposite is also beautiful. Like I had seen countless times at Sir Seattle when I when when they were able their intuition was able to pick up on the idea that like, oh, this guy wouldn't pull something. Like he he's like a, he like loves his wife and he he's a good person and he and I and I can drop my guard just a little bit around him and not expect him to take advantage of me. Like, um, I can't even begin to express to you how healing and rewarding and um, beautiful those kind of interactions have been for me and for others. Um, It's a development of character, a development of what proper boundaries look like, which, oh my God, that has been such a long road for me. Like, I'll just give you a real practical one, but like, um, instead of the damn Pence rule, like, it's not like I don't have rules in my life to be a safe man. It just they just don't involve exploiting or um or uh reducing other women around me. Uh like uh, I'll give you an example. Like uh for years as a pastor I would just you know, I'd always have meetings set up with different places and some of them involved women, that's fine, and, and I just got in the habit of like if I was just meeting a, a woman um, for coffee or something I would just text Laura real quick and be like hey so and so ground coffee and the thought was like not so because there's some weird temptation or shit like that's just weird it was just more like I just would never want someone else walking by to be like oh like three weeks later to be like I saw Kyle and he was meeting with so and so and then Laura was like oh how come he never told me that it's just a, purely a way of communicating to her that like I'm just thinking about you baby that's you know and as simple as that like just I'm just thinking about you and, and it builds confidence in her that if he's thinking about me, they like we're good, you know. And there's been all kinds of small things too, of like just confessing to Laura the small stuff in my life, you know, of like hey, I, that interact I had an interaction with someone like earlier today, and I felt like I was a I was trying to be funny, but I think it I may have crossed the line of just a tiny bit of flirtation. I, I just wanted you to know that, like it it just felt a little weird to me, a little off, and I I wanted you to know. Like I've noticed, there's such a there's such a beauty, a power in confessing the small stuff because it communicates to Laura that shit. If he was like convicted about that small thing, that he's never gonna do something stupid, like because that's like so far, you know. Like it's just it's 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 a way of just living in integrity and um and becoming a safe man for the women in my life. Um, and it's better than privilege, and it's better than legalism uh and and uh, lastly i'd say that becoming a safe man is um i have seen such a power to speak up when you're the one from coming from a place of privilege like i i posted that um, thing on twitter uh yesterday and i've gotten so many private messages on facebook and twitter from women just saying, thanks, thanks for doing that. And at first, for years, I didn't want to do it because I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not carrying your burden. Why do I need to, like, it feels weird to speak of this burden that I'm not caring, you know, like it's a sense of virtue, virtue signaling and I don't, you know, I don't want to do that, but I've come to realize that like, it's really, really um, encouraging to those that are carrying a burden and I'm not, to say, no, that burden's real and I'm aware of that burden, and I want other people in my camp to know that burden exists. And it, it validates and it's and it's um man, it's so helpful and encouraging. I, I'd say the same with um when it comes to um uh racial inequality too. Like as a white male, it means a lot when I speak up and say, No, this is racist and this is not okay. Like it matters to speak up and say that burden you're carrying, you shouldn't be able, to, you shouldn't need to carry. That is unfair and unjust, and we must do something about that. And I'm willing to admit my privilege to 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 begin to unravel the unjust systems that we're both both a part of, and I'm benefiting from, and you're not, and it's not okay. Do you see how much power is in that when we we decide to step out, even when we're the ones not carrying the burden? Okay, so. I want to end with a bit of hope here because I'm seeing a little bit of a similar dynamic of this Kavanaugh hearing to another hearing that happened back in like, what? Oh gosh, like 1925, I believe it was. It was the Scope, Scopes Monkey Trial. And I, I've talked about this in previous um, podcasts, so I'll rip through it real quick. But essentially, it was the first major trial that um, was against having evolution taught in public schools. And um, and it was like the first big culture war, right? <laughs> and so Christians came out, and but also it was timed up too with um. This also happened to be the first trial period in our nation's history, history to be broadcasted nationally. So everyone was watching this thing. Does that seem like uh, something we've seen recently too? Like everyone was watching this Kavanaugh hearing. Okay, there's some real interesting similarities, and um. Ultimately, uh, these uh, it was like the Christians versus the secularists so or the science people, okay, and um, and the Christians actually won the trial, but in the midst of the trial, there was such a um, anger and hostility and arrogance and um, and rage from the from the Christians. That those watching and are, 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 are listening to the broadcast of this um, of this trial just like are really turned off and they're like gross like you guys are a bunch of jerks and you're treating this poor teacher like like really really mean and, and he's just doing his job like and it it was the first time that uh, Christians were in privilege they were in power. Right? of kind of like, hey, we're a Christian nation. And it was the first time after that trial that even though they, they won the trial, that began to change and shift in America. And, and we started to become a post-Christian nation because people no longer just assumed the authority of the church and church leaders. In a similar way, uh, I think that potentially we are seeing something similar in this Kavanaugh trial. That where we had this... Um, this faith and science inequality, now we're seeing gender inequality really, really zoomed in on. And and Kavanaugh might end up um uh on the Supreme Court. Okay. He might. There's actually a really strong chance that's still gonna happen. But just because that's lost does not mean people didn't all watch what happened. And millions of people watched what happened yesterday. Millions of people saw the dignity and honesty and vulnerability of Dr. Ford. Millions of people saw the rage and and um, and just um, meanness of Kavanaugh. And millions of people are going to walk away. And they will not be able to unsee what was on TV yesterday. And that matters. And that, I think, will really continue to shift our country in a totally different direction where we're potentially really finally addressing gender inequality and hopefully not just in our country but in our world holy crap i just got through the book half the sky and i had no idea of gender inequality internationally like between honor killings and um religious implications and Oh my gosh, I had no idea. So, men, please don't settle for being in privilege. Don't settle for being legalistic. Choose to be a safe man. There's so much power and healing in that. And for all of us, like take hope that people millions of people watched this trial and there is a shift happening in our country we will not be able to unsee that we will remember dr ford and what happened and um and i believe she just as jesus did in john chapter 8 that she will be comforted she'll be dignified and i believe her so a different kind of episode i realize for today, but um may you experience this kind of grace this week. Uh I I am uh it's been a long, long day (laughs) and yesterday I didn't sleep well last night after the Kavanaugh hearing, but I woke up with this renewed sense of hope that something is happening in our country. And um and I want to be on the right side of history on this one. Uh one time to remind us, First Timothy chapter five, verse two. Treat younger men as brothers older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity amen